0: If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Eric France and AJ Salveson here. You can also stream us on 106thefan.com and find us on our podcast. Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify. Tap in Eric's name, my name, of the Full Court Press. You can listen to our podcast, including Hour 1, which is already up, ready to go for you to listen to if you missed the entirety of it. Go ahead and tune into that.
2: Ajay, should players be able to transfer at will whenever they want to? No. Why not? If a coach can change whenever he wants to, why can't players?
1: I don't like the idea of, like, look, it's not working here because I'm not starting as a freshman, so I want to go somewhere else where I'm going to start. Why don't you bite out your time and work your butt off and try to get to that spot? Are you getting screwed? You want to go you... back
2: to the uh, freshman can't play because they have to cut their teeth in the system?
1: No, I mean, not necessarily. But, I mean, look, if you're good enough to play, coach will play you. If you're good enough to play, coach will play you. Coach Smith has always said that. I don't care how many stars you have next to your name. I don't care where you came from, what school you played for, how many point averaged in high school. I care about what you can do for me now.
2: Okay, but let's say you're playing well for Utah State. Okay. You're a young freshman, maybe even a sophomore. You're playing well, mm-hmm. and it looks like you're on a good trajectory. Suddenly, something happens at Arkansas, and they say, we really like what you do. I used to be in your conference. Um, I know who you are. Why don't you come play for me? we have national title aspirations or we're going to win our conference or we're going to go deep into the tournament because of who we play and the type of, of conference that we're in. There's no guessing whether or not we're going to get in or not. It's a question about how deep we're going to go into the tournament. Don't you want that opportunity? And you know what? If you can play for us, you're going to get paid. We're going to pay you. What player yeah. wouldn't take that opportunity? Yeah, sure. There's going to be a few, that are say, you know what? No, I'm committed to being here. It's where I'm from, or I'm committed to this place. Yeah, there's gonna be some some guys like that. But the vast majority are gonna go, yeah, that's a great opportunity. And transfer right away. I played right next year. Kobe McEwen wouldn't have had to sit out last year. He could have played right away for Marquette. He'd be a better part of who they are this year. I think that, on the one hand, if a coach can move at will, a player ought to. But at the same time, I think you open up a major Pandora's box. Yeah. And you just create free agency. You create farm systems.
1: And by the way, by but the, and by the end of it, already. coaches who are in the power five, coaches with power, name, and recognition, and pull are not going to be happy with it because their own players are going to get pulled away from them. True. Michigan's going to come out and say to a kid at Alabama, look, or a kid at Louisiana, look, you're not going to win a game there. You aren't getting to the national championship through Alabama. Get out of there. Come to Michigan. Ohio State's on a down year. We're going to be in the Big Ten championship. We're going to have a chance to compete for a national championship, and we have a lot of money for you. Come be a part of the national championship team instead of having to dig your way through the hard stuff. And so Nick Saban's—I mean who made me a fan of it now, later on he's going to be pissed. He's going to be like, this isn't working.
2: Right. It'll cut both ways to some degree. If you have somebody that's a a bench player at a Power 5 school and they want to be a starter, yeah, they might go to somewhere else and be the man. And they have that opportunity. Yeah. People choose where they play for a variety of different reasons. But I, I think look, this just, everything's moving more and more towards a separation of the autonomous five. I've hated calling them that, but it's becoming more and more the case. Mm-hmm. They, those five power conferences that will be able to do what they want, pay their players, have different rules, and everybody else will be lucky to get any table scraps.
1: Yeah. And that's what it is. It's really scraps for everyone sitting on the bottom, right? I mean, it's and it's scraping for those. It's and and it's unfortunate because you think about some of the players we have now. You mentioned the people who would say, "You know what? I've committed. I'm staying here because this is where I'm at." Sam Merrill is that guy. The guys who want the money. Here's a couple other guys that might have been looking at the money otherwise and said, "That's nah, pretty attractive right now for my situation." And you know, it was interesting. I was watching how you the thirty for thirty, uh, the Fab Five. You ever seen that? I haven't. And have you seen that yet? No, it, I haven't. It's, it's so good. There's a story on there, and it's really interesting. There's a story on there where Chris Webber is uh, is walking around, and he's with the reporter. And he says, hey, man, will you buy me a sandwich? And the reporter says, dude, you know I can't do that, man. And then he sees a, a kid walking across with a Chris Webber jersey on with his name and his number. And he says, That's unbelievable. I work my butt off for this university. That kid can have my jersey on, and I don't get a lick of credit for it. And the reporter says in his face shot that he says, I knew he was leaving. Right after that, I knew that no matter what, he was going to leave. And it's true. Like when someone sees themselves up on a poster, when someone sees their name on the back of a jersey, even if it's sewed on by mom and dad, they don't get credit for that.
2: Well, well look, and here's another piece to this puzzle, too. The SEC, I mean, they just announced that each member institution of the SEC got like a, what was it, $44 million payment from yeah. the conference. Yep. So if you're a player, you're looking at that
1: thinking, where's my cut of that? Yeah, you don't have enough money. Didn't I do something to help with that? You don't remember me winning the MVP of the of the college football playoff? Or yeah. Absolutely, like you think about those LSU players, and look, everybody's pissed at Odell Beckham Jr. for sitting there wadding out his cash to a few players. I'm like, you know what? Good on you, karma, right there, NCAA. You don't want to pay the athletes? Odell Beckham Jr. will pay them then. Here's a few presidential flashcards to get you a nice dinner and get you home. I I feel like that, and and I guess. That's where my biggest worry comes in, Eric, and it's kind of already already happened. We all know that, but that when, if the NCAA doesn't start taking care of the athletes financially by paying them, pro athletes are going to come out and do it for them who don't give a rat. Odell Beckham Jr. is going to come out and be like, you know what? They ain't getting paid, I'll pay. What do they need? How much do you need, man? Well, it's
2: obvious there's tremendous money in sports, and there's a, a tremendous amount of money in college sports. Yeah. Um, but is a quote-unquote non-profit institution that exists for academic purposes, should it be the institution that is handling and administering this level of millions and millions and millions of dollars? Uh, It just has gotten ridiculous in my mind where a taxpayer funded institution uh, is paying four five six million dollars to a coach um, now oh, there are people out there that say look this is this is America these are market forces at work I get that I'm by no means am I a socialist or or a communist um I totally get that I totally agree with it but let's call a spade a spade yeah there you go it, it's not Amateur athletics. <laughs> Not anymore. These are, these yeah. are professional, for-profit entities, and let's treat them like they are. And by the like, way, kids- Tax st- them. Yeah. Tax them, regulate them, and just say, okay, sure. Pay them the market value, but there's a cost of doing business. No, Provide
1: insurance, all that stuff. I'm with you. I think you bring you bring up a great point. By the way, you can text it on this conversation if you wish. 435-339-0321. 435-339-0321. Eric has brought up a great conversation here. Is this worth it? Is this a solution? Does it hurt? Does it help? How so? All
2: right. So the, the, the genesis behind this is the Big Ten, basically all their athletic directors are f- – They've tried this before. They tried this about a year ago. They're trying it again, and they're trying to get more and more people behind them. Going to a proposal before the NCAA that would allow a one time transfer for athletes in all sports. And you can already do that in most sports, but five football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, and men's hockey. And they're just saying, look, treat all athletes the same, let them transfer. You only get to do it once. It's not like. You go from school to school to school. Every year, you're somewhere different. That would be a managing nightmare. (laughs) Try to figure out who's been where. But, I mean, transfer, there's so many transfers already, especially in basketball. The player transfer portal is just massive. It's becoming more of a thing in football, as we've seen. The last several Heisman Trophy winners won the Heisman Trophy At a school that wasn't the school that originally recruited them to Mm -hmm. go
1: play for them. Yep. That's that's a great point. That's a great point. Does this, if this were to be a Mountain West Conference thing, how much would it affect Utah State? Uh, Huge. Take that role from the Big Ten, put it into the Mountain West Conference. Does it affect it in a pretty, I mean... Okay, let's. I mean, percentage wise, I guess. Look at the basketball team, for example. But could
2: you, if you're a lower division, could you transfer up? Uh that's that's. Yeah. So if you're doing that's well at Weber point. State and Utah State suddenly has a need for a tight end and you've been killing it for the Wildcats, hey, to come play for us next year,
1: slide right over. Man, and think of the athletes who would be in that position at tight end who get knocked down a, uh, a spot.
2: And do you develop? Uh, relationships, saying, hey, you can't make it here. We, our spots are filled, but we've got an arrangement with Weber State. You go there. You stay healthy. You do well. We'll have a spot. We're sure it's going to open. It. Somebody's going to get hurt. We're going to need offensive linemen. Yeah. Um, so you go there. Make sure you keep your ap- academics right because apparently that's still important, air quotes, <laughs> and, uh, and then then we'll call you up. Yeah. Or does it become, hey, uh, Texas Tech, we would like to run this style of offense and defense. Utah State, we'd like you guys to do something similar so that when we have something go wrong, we can just call one of your guys over to come play for us down in Lubbock. Wow. I mean, why not?
1: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's where it's heading. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh. I just, like, when push comes to shove and it really does kind of, and this starts to go through, and the whole and the rest of the country of athletes are going to be getting paid, like, it's just going to take on a whole new meaning, and nobody will be happy with it. Except for the players. But, of course, that's the most important part, because that's the one out there getting you the money. The coaches are making the money. The players are the reason why you are making that money. To to really, honestly, put it fair and square. Hey, speaking of NCAA, uh, NCAA, Eric, uh, as we all know, we actually have a new segment, a part of the show, which is called This Week in the NCAA. Here it is of This Week. I'm Kevin Kugler with This
0: Week in the NCAA on Westwood One. No doubt This Week has been circled on the calendar of most school administrators for some time as representatives from all three divisions gathered this week for the annual membership convention. This year's event is wrapping up this weekend in Anaheim, California, with a lot of important issues front and center for discussion. Most notably is the topic of how student-athletes will be allowed to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Other topics include modification of the rules related to Olympic hopeful athletes, changes in how multi-team events are treated in men's basketball, and in Division II, a possible notification of transfer model, similar to the process now used in D1. Another element of the convention each year is the celebration of college sports through several recognition programs and awards. We'll tell you about those coming up on This Week in the NCAA. If you like piña get
1: Spilled your piña colada? Quick,
0: the quicker picker-upper. Bounty picks up spills and messes quicker and it's two times more absorbent than the leading ordinary brand. So you can get back to getting caught in the rain. (sighs) Bounty, the quicker picker up. At Capital One, you can open a new
3: savings account in about five minutes and earn five times the national average. Banking with Capital One means five times the savings to help pay for your perfect honeymoon. Or five times the savings toward your family's perfect vacation.
2: Big fan of water rides.
3: It's time to help make your savings goals
0: come true. This is Banking Reimagined. Capital One, what's in your wallet? Terms apply. Rate comparison based on FDIC national rate. Capital One NA member FDIC. This year's NCAA membership convention wrapped up this weekend in Southern California and included a number of awards and recognition events. The Wednesday honors celebration included the prestigious Theodore Roosevelt Award being presented this year to Bob Delaney, a celebrated New Jersey state law enforcement undercover participant in the organized crime investigations of the late 70s. Later a respected NBA official, Delaney has dedicated much of his life to organizations that help others through stressful events such as post-traumatic syndrome and the loss of a military service loved one. This year's Inspiration Awards went to former Notre Dame football star Rocky Blyer and 2019 Ball State graduate and basketball player Trey Moses, who's been an outspoken voice on mental health issues. Other awards presented this week include the Pat Summit Award, which was given posthumously to former Vanderbilt administrator David Williams, and the Gerald R. Ford Award that was presented to longtime college basketball TV analyst Dick Vitale. That's This Week in the NCAA. I'm
1: Kevin Kugler on Westwood Walk. Thank you, Kevin Kluger. More of the Full Court Press coming up here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Press,
0: weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan.
1: Full Court Press, Eric Franson, Jay Salvaton, Adam the Intern in the house, running the board, actually.
2: We have turned over our lives. Yeah.
1: If, Adam the Intern. If if Kent Franson comes sprinting into this place, we know why. It's not because of you and I. So uh, we'll just blame him. It might have been
2: something because of you.
1: Okay, no. Like, they want... Adam the Intern wants more responsibility. He has been begging for more responsibility. So... Care for what you wish for, young man. You're having more responsibility. Hey, what, what's, it, what's your mic? Which one's your mic? He did it. It's microphone I, one. How you doing over there, Adam? Are you okay? I'm doing good. Do you need a change of pants? <laughs> no. Are no. you sure? I mean, we, we've got a couple no, laying around here I'm, somewhere. I'm good. I'm good. Did um, you,
2: speaking of that, have you seen some of Rex Chapman's videos today?
1: No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Dude, the one with the hot darts, I still haven't got over. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> well, what's, so
2: Rex Chapman posts a lot of silly videos on on Twitter. Usually it says blocker charge or something like that. But he showed one the other day. This guy, it looks like he's a baseball game and he's just a big man, large man. And he's throwing up. In his chair, and all I can do is just sit there and it comes in waves. It's really it's disgusting.
1: Oh, it's it's so revolting. Gross, I'm so
2: disappointed in myself that I watched <laughs> it all the way to the <laughs> end. But it's, what's bad is that the
1: is thing like, is we watched all the way to the end.
2: Yes, Eric. I know, and I feel horrible that I did that. I feel like I'm a lesser human being. But what's bad is later that night, my sick my kid got sick, and he was hurling into a bowl for the all evening. I'm like, man, what is it that I can watch people puke all day today? Not a good day. But anyway, he has one today that uh, you'll have to go and watch, based on a comment that you just made. Hey, one last thing. We're going to move on. Really, I want to move on. There's a lot of other things. But uh, from the topic that we had earlier, in in Europe, they don't high schools, colleges, they don't have athletic programs whatsoever. It's all club sports, like the the community. Owns the team, the city does, or it's a it's a private league or a private team. There, are, it's not school sponsored. They've determined that our schools are for academics and not for athletics. And so, I'm not. I don't know that we're heading in that direction. Certainly, there's a value in team sports. You learn a lot of important lessons in sports, but. You wonder more. I wonder more and more if those the, uh, the mission of an academic institution and what an athletic program is all about are are becoming farther and farther apart. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, Aj, big. Speaking of college sports, uh, big basketball game coming up this weekend for Utah State taking on the Aztecs. Uh, San Diego State their best start in program history. They're gonna be retiring Kawhi Leonard's jersey this weekend. Uh, he was part of what their one of their best runs that they had ever had before highest ranking they had ever had. Right. Um, by the they, way I think they only lost three or four games yeah, the whole time. Do he was you there.
1: remember and, and Adam you can hop on here with this one because you'd be more familiar with than we were, this was like do you remember that game with Jimmer Fredette versus Kawhi Leonard? And where Fredette, well, I mean, I think he had thirty something, just went off that night versus the Az- uh, the Aztecs. That was one of the most... I talked to somebody who's covered a lot of college basketball in a lot of different venues and arenas. Do you remember that game? Uh, I remember it vaguely. I remember being a big fan of Jimmer, but this was back
2: when I was starting to figure out the... Game of basketball yeah, things like true. that. So I don't really remember. I just remember he was, so he would have been Jimmer a wee
1: comedian. little tadpole. Yeah, I, you were in diapers. <laughs> yeah, binkies like, and I diapers. had no idea who
2: Kawhi Leonard was. I just knew Jimmer.
1: So, and, well, nobody really knew who Kawhi Leonard was, to be honest with you. Everyone, I mean, everybody knew about Jimmer because he was chucking up Steph Curry-sized shots before Steph Curry was really doing it himself. And so I remember just that matchup. And I t- talked to a beat writer who's covered numerous great, great basketball games in incredible venues. And he says that still is the most electrifying game inside of a building he's ever been in, ever, for a singular game. He said, I I mean, come comeback, hammer dunk, people just going ballistic. Jimmer comes up, 43 feet, nothing but net. Everybody's just oohing and on, and, like, after the game, Jimmer's walking off the court. And the thing is, like, Jimmer was in this zone where after he hit, like, a 36-footer in a guy's grill – San Diego State calls a timeout. Jimmer walks off the court. Everyone has their hands up, and Jimmer just goes by everybody. sits in his chair, looks at the ground, doesn't say a word. Like he was in this different zone that night. Um, you should like go back and watch the highlights of that game. It is. I know none of us. Well, two of, us, three of us are not like BYU it. fans. Honest, it is so. one of those unreal venues. Anyways, Kawhi was a menace. But Kawhi was a huge part of that San Diego State animal. team. Yep, they they went to the
2: Sweet Sixteen. Yep, with him.
1: With Steve Fisher was the coach, right?
2: Yep. Yep. Um and uh, their current coach uh, was uh, was an assistant on that roster, um, and they're they're trying to insist that what they're doing this weekend is is not in reaction to Kawhi being yet another Finals MVP, <laughs> but rather a, an opportunity to recognize him more officially for what he did at San Diego yeah. State. Oh, and by the way, he's turned out to be a pretty spectacular professional <laughs> basketball player.
1: I don't know why it took him so long to get this done.
2: Yeah, I know why. <laughs> Why are they waiting until now? But um, the it's a big game for a lot of different reasons. There's a lot of exterior stuff that's going on, maybe some distractions to some degree. But this is a this is really is San Diego State's last real test to finish the season undefeated. Uh, Utah State is a different team now, I believe, than when they played San Diego State earlier this month. Uh, they've won four of their last five, and they're they're playing in much better offensive efficiency. I think their defense has picked up a little bit as well. Uh, I think this will be a really interesting game. Um, but in the end, I still see San Diego State with the win, Andre. You I, know, have a
1: hard t- I, I have a hard time picking against the Aztecs. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, they're 21-0, and 0, right? I mean, we'd all be crazy to pick against the Aztecs. You mentioned it, though. Utah State's more healthy, and they're more in a groove and a rhythm. Look, the last time they went to San Diego State— Namiash was just finally getting back. Finally That's coming true. back from like and, and so he wasn't in basketball great shape, to be honest with you. He he didn't have any lift. And speaking of no lift, Sam didn't have any lift either. Sam was dealing with that bad ankle injury. It looked like it was just thrashed. He was tired. Um and and he was like he just wasn't he wasn't healthy either. Brito wasn't healthy. Um being, got beaten up a little bit. He played some heavy minutes actually. And so this team was exhausted, and now you come off a win over Wyoming. Your starters got a little bit of rest. They got a couple days off. I know it's a trip to San Diego, but I feel like with that, I have more optimistic or optimism in this basketball team going to Viejas Arena and winning this basketball game than I, I, I thought I would have. I didn't think there was any chance that would happen. Yeah, have you ever been in Viejas you ever Once. seen a game there? Once. I didn't see a game. I was just there. I just looked at the arena.
2: It's a really interesting arena. Uh, is the... it as
1: big as it looks like? Okay, so it It's like, a good size. I mean, I've, I, like, I've been in the arena, but I've never... But I was standing like at the top, and so you really don't have that good of a view from the top. But like, I mean, it just... It looks big, but I was like, I wonder what it looks like when it's sold out.
2: It looks good. Is it? It looks good. Uh, what's interesting about it is all the concessions, all the restrooms are all outside. Really? Right. So it's basically ground level and then you, you go down because it's built in an old football stadium. It's really kind of cu- cool how it's uh, put together and what it's uh, all about. But it, it's uh, they've got a great student section um, and they've got a great team. And this is I, – I think that the real key is can Utah State slow down Malachi Flynn? He has been on a terror.
1: He's a monster He's dude. a menace. And, uh, and mm. I think that
2: Abel Porter – has has to step up his defensive game in this one because he's probably more, more than anybody going to draw him have uh, his defensive assignment.
1: And and then Mitchell, right? Uh, Mitchell had like how many points? He dropped twenty five pounds, and he's a brand new player this year. I mean, he looks so he looks so good, and he hit what three or four extremely difficult shots right in their eye. Who is that? So I'm looking at your roster right now as we speak. Yeah, it is. It's uh, it's Mitchell um who had and he hit three or four I mean Eric just tough tough looks with the shot clock winding down right in their grill. He's became such a better player now that he's in shape. And the other kid that we have to worry about of course is Shackle. Shackle's a good basketball player, very fundamentally sound, created a lot of um created a lot of grief defensively for the Aztecs against the Aggies the last time in the Spectrum. Um and I thought he made some good decisions offensively when to get rid of the ball. Found Flynn, found Mitchell twice, I think, for open threes. He's just such a good playmaker. The Aggies are going to have their hands full on Saturday night. We all know that, but it just he adds another dimension.
2: Well, and, and San Diego State really effectively took Justin Bean out of his game. Uh, they held him in check. They didn't allow him to do what he normally likes to do. Uh, they made it difficult for him. He uh, only had eight points, four rebounds. Uh, it's very uncharacteristic game for Justin. So I think he he is going to be motivated to have a much better game and a much better performance against San Diego State than what he did, when was that, in early January.
1: Yep. And and by the way, Namiya Shketa, you want to talk about scouts watching games? There's going to be a lot of scouts watching this game because there's a lot of eyes on both San Diego State and Utah State. Uh, you mentioned it already. Last time Namiya Shketa was out on the court versus the... Uh, the Aztecs, 5 of 8 from the field, 5 of 7 from the line. In 30 minutes, he had, what, one steal, three blocks. And I think all three were in the first half. 14 boards and 15 points. Um, But he didn't feel like he was himself. 14 boards and 15 points, three blocks. Imagine what he could do when he feels like he is himself, which is where he's at now. He's going to have to be big. Like Flynn loves to get to the hoop. He took Abel to the hoop. You said it already numerous times with ease. If Keda can get there without being in foul trouble, Keda can have his presence be known, and it's going to create some difficulties for the Aztecs. How much? It just depends, because San Diego State can hit from the outside, but if you're, if you're relying on all outside stuff, it's going to be hard to win a basketball game. Yeah, uh,
2: especially if it's a tight game. We've seen that in tight games, Utah State's outside shooters outside of Sam Merrill are not great in games that are blowouts or game in, in times of a game when it doesn't matter, Utah State's outside shooters hit great. Uh, they shoot great and uh, they, they, they shoot with confidence. Uh, I, I think one of the keys besides being getting going is Brock Miller. I, I think that if he can get a shot or two to fall early, for him to see the ball go through the hoop, feel confident that he can contribute and do something positive, then... He could have himself a, a decent game to help his, his team. But if he doesn't get it going early, he's not very effective for the whole game unless it's garbage time. Yeah. I mean, it's more often than not, that's usually the case. And I feel bad, uh, that, but that's generally my assessment of Brock Miller that if he, if he can score early and you have that early confidence that, hey, I'm going to have a game, I'm going to help my team, he will, through the rest of the game, be a <coughs> contributor. But if the shots aren't falling, if he's having a hard time, then maybe he'll get a shot here or there, but he won't be much of a factor offensively.
1: No, I like it. And by the way, coming off the bench, Bear still had four minutes, Alfonso had three, Brito had 23, and Dorius had six. Does the bench get more minutes in this game, or does he still just stick to his one man coming off the bench and Brito and everyone else is a little bit here and a little bit there? I think you'll see the same players get involved.
2: Um, Anderson, Darius, Brito, and Beristow. Uh But I think it may be a little more evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. That's a, a hunch. It's a guess. But if somebody's not really on, then you may see one of these other guys. It may be Anderson that gets the bulk of those minutes. Um, uh, maybe it goes back to Brito. Maybe he sees something in Bearstow, though in this kind of a situation, this kind of matchup, I would probably not see I, I wouldn't guess that we'd see a lot of Bearstow. Just because I think Craig so. Smith is gonna say, These are my guys, I'm going with my my veterans who been in these situations. I'm gonna go with them and see what they do.
1: So out of Bearstow, Dorius and Anderson, who gets the most minutes? I'm gonna say Alfonso. I'd probably say, yeah, I would agree with that. Depending if the foul trouble though.
2: Right because of his size, his body, and the position that he would play against what San Diego State offers. Yeah. So I think that makes a lot more sense.
1: Uh Utah State San Diego State tomorrow night at Via House Arena in honor of Kawhi Leonard Knight. Uh it's a sold out arena. It's been sold out for three and a half weeks now. StubHub selling tickets for about two hundred and fifty dollars. It's the cheapest. $1,600 is the most expensive ticket right now on StubHub. That's, that's incredible to me. That place is going to be standing room only. It's going to be a very hostile atmosphere. We know how the student section is. In fact, I remember, speaking of BYU, right, way back when, I remember, I think it was a Jimmer Fredette game. Um, they all wore uh, shirts and ties and had bike helmets and glasses on. <laughs> yeah, Gonzaga, they've started to do that, but I think it did start. Yeah, San Diego yeah. State started it, and Jimmer went off in that game. And, like, I think actually Jackson Emery had a great game, too. Like, it just set a few players off with them doing that. And, um, you know, obviously, student section was just having fun, but uh, a couple players took it personal and, you know, gave it right back to San Diego State. Um, The, the, the hostile atmosphere thing is something that's really intrigued me the most. Eric, does can that really rattle? I guess my question should be, is that why Craig would stick with his veterans more than go to his younger guys? Is because of the hostile atmosphere, big game, big time, big TV, and not being used to it? Uh, that would be my hunch. Yeah, I, I think that he would be maybe a
2: little more prone to go with his veteran guys, his older guys, because of this, the pressure of the game what it means, uh, what's on the line, the attention that is brought with it, the student section that'll be after them. Uh, A younger player may be prone to get distracted or be rattled or feel the pressure of it a little bit more than perhaps a more veteran player who's been through that before. But I think we've also seen Craig Smith say, look, if you're practicing hard, if you're playing well, and uh, the matchup is working, we're going to go with it. So if uh if Bear still comes in if you if it's just for a few minutes but he plays really well and is making a difference then i wouldn't see any reason why Craig Smith wouldn't ride that until it proves its usefulness
1: speaking of craig smith we
2: did get well, audio well, from him
1: today has, as well, they had his has- presser just before they were headed off to san diego state to take on the aztecs here is craig smith from today well
3: word has it they're a pretty good basketball team um they are they're very very good they're just so well-rounded in everything and they're very very well coached they're they're deep um they're athletic they really defend hard they're incredibly unselfish and uh, um they just have everything you know they really shoot the three well they scored inside they got guys that can make um uh pull up jays and then they just put a, uh, lineups out there they just have playmakers all over the floor and we saw that firsthand at our place where I think they scored 15 points with five seconds or less on the shot clock throughout that game. And so they put a lot of pressure on you, and they got a lot of weapons. And uh, But at the end of the day, they're just very difficult to score on. on they're number four in the country in scoring defense, at 50, giving up 57 points a game. And um, that's pretty impressive because, you know, they, they're not afraid to get up and down the floor. So it uh, be a great challenge, a great road test for us. Obviously expecting a sellout crowd as they're... Um, as they're um, Honoring Kawhi Leonard and hanging up his, uh, retiring his number. So it's going to be a packed house, and that's obviously a great venue. It's one of the best in the country. And so it'll be a great test for us, but I know our guys are really excited about this challenge um, uh, on Saturday night.
0: Was it the, it seemed like that was the thing that stood out after the game was the late in the play shot clocks they made against you. that were huge. And I talked to Sam about it yesterday. He said some of that actually was our fault, maybe more than what oh, they Oh, yeah.
3: I mean, some of it was them, for sure. They, I mean, uh, the, Matt Mitchell made a couple really difficult pull-up jumpers over us. Uh, but then we made some just kind of uh, just some mistakes where we lost stance and vision, where maybe we, we were caught watching the ball and lost vision of our man, you know, Malachi, uh, Malachi Flint, number 22, hits one on the crackback with one second left. Uh, it was debatable if it should have counted, but it counted. Um, uh, Mitchell made it one on a crackback three. We call it a crackback. And um, number 20 had a uh, one dagger, sh- um, sh- shackle, shackle um, and he can really, really shoot it. So um, some of it was self-inflicted and some of it was, was them. And, but that's what good teams do. They make you pay when you, you know, it seems like when you have things going and things are going good for you, um, when the other team makes a mistake, you make them pay. And when things are maybe a little 50-50, you don't make teams pay for their mistakes, and and they're certainly a team that seems to make teams pay. Um, and then it gets magnified because it's so difficult to score on them. They're so good defensively. Um, so we're going to have to really do a good job of sharing the ball, moving the ball, uh, and not play one-on-one basketball. But the exciting part we played about a month ago, maybe just under that, you know, that was when Nimi. That was Nimi's second game back from the injury against Florida. And I think we're we're doing some things a little bit differently since then, and playing some different guys, and and um, we've been trending upward, and, and and so it should be an exciting game.
0: To help also last I mean, last year,
3: you guys played them tough down there, whereas in the past, it, I mean that's a really tough place to play. Everybody, it is. Everybody has a hard time playing there. But yeah. We're right in the game with them last year. Yeah, it's one of the best home courts certainly in the country, and and then you add on the fact that they're very very good and ranked number four in the country, and it's. Kind of the double whammy. But you know what? I, I think it's going to be a great opportunity for our guys. And I think our guys are really uh, relishing this opportunity to see what we can do. We know it's going to be incredibly hostile and, and difficult. And it's going to be very difficult to communicate. But we did play a tough there last year. And, and uh, got off to a good start. And then they made a, a big-time rally kind of the back half of the first half. Um, and then it kind of went back and forth. When we were down 6-8 to eight or whatever. And then we made a big rally at the end. Uh, to give ourselves a chance, but um, no doubt, you know, this type of game, you, 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 nobody's ever going to play perfect, and we're going to make some mistakes. The key is, like, you got to eliminate losing and try to minimize, you know, those error, errors and try to keep them uh, from going on big runs, which, obviously, uh, they're, they're capable of just, their spurt ability is very, very good, uh, where they go, you know, Nevada was up on them halftime, first minute. I think minute 12, of the second half, they go on an 8-0 run, or whatever it was, or a 10-0 run, and just, just like that, the game just changes. So, you've got to be able to control tempo and understand what we're trying to do, and, and uh, be on point because they're, they have just dynamic guards all over the place, right? Malachi Flynn is, is phenomenal, and you know, he, I mean, he leads them in points per game, assists per game, steals per game, field goal attempts made, three-point field goal attempts made, free throw attempt made, and. And he does that because he's he's really good. But then you have such great buy-in. You know, you got a guy like KJ Fegan who's really playing at a much higher level than he was the first time we played him, and he, he's scoring it a lot more. And Trey him had a great game, had a, a good game against us, and this last week against UNLV and uh, New Mexico, he's had a great week. So he's a dynamic guard. Shackles a guy that can really get it going at six six two hundred. And, and Matt Mitchell, as his improvements have been incredible, and Yanni wetzel's is probably an all league guy. You know, at the five that can kind of uh, can really pass it, but scores around the basket. We did a good job against him uh, at our place, but that's a tall task to to handle. So they just they share the ball so well; it's easy to see that they're on a mission.
2: Craig Smith comments earlier today as uh, Utah State's heading out to San Diego to take on the Aztecs tomorrow, and it's a later game for USU. Uh, don't forget our sister station, KVNU. They'll have pregame coverage starting at 7. Then the game will be shown on CBS Sports Network at 8. So uh, you can watch it. Um, and then when the game is over, Al Lewis, John Russell will break it down again. Uh, this interesting comments from uh, Coach Smith. Uh, just how he feels like his team is in a in a better space right now. Yeah. Uh, where, compared to where they were about a month a little less than a month ago but it was a it was a competitive game in Logan. Just I mean Sam Merrill had a heck of a game. Yeah, he had really a good, good game. It, yeah. But not too much help beyond those two guys. Uh Bean was held in check. Uh the bench wasn't able to produce a whole lot offensively. So, um this could be a very different game on Saturday if all goes according to plan for USU, which I think it it, it should be competitive. I think they'll play them tough. The real question is, can Utah State handle the weapons of San Diego State?
1: They can hurt you from so many different places. Yeah, with so many different players, too. That's the biggest problem, and that's why we need to have everybody have an all-around good game, whether it's Brito, whether it's Miller, whether it's porter. Merrill, being everybody who comes in, has got to contribute in some way or somehow to take some pressure off of everybody else to put some pressure on San Diego State and spread them out on the court a little bit. If Miller can go to the corner and hit two threes, spread spreads them out to the corner. I don't think San Diego State feels threatened by Brock Miller. I don't feel like they're threatened by Brito. They say, look, if we guard Miller or, excuse me, yeah, if we guard Merrill, we guard Ketta, we're going to win this game. Right. Because nobody else can put up 20 points for them. Nobody else can, can have an effect offensively like those two guys. And maybe we let them have what they want, guard everybody else, and then they still can't beat us. Um, I, but I tell you, and I think you've already mentioned it already, I'm scared to freaking death of Malachi Flynn, man. I have nightmares about that guy still. <laughs> I mean, like, Rick, do you remember when he took the two dribbles between the legs and then spot up for a straightaway three right in Porter's grill? And then the next time he came down, Merrill said, I'll guard him. So Merrill gets in his grill, plays straight-up All-American grade defense on him. He just steps back with his right leg and hits, a, and hits a three from the right angle. Like, what do you do? What do you do? And then Mitchell comes in. He dribbles through and on the left, on the left angle, hits a three in a tough way. Then hits a fadeaway shot from like the right wing. Uh, they just—I mean—they make shots in so many different ways that put you in. I mean, that just takes so much momentum out of you. And that's the other thing is that the Aggies got to be able to shut these guys up, shut this crowd up, this sold-out crowd, keep it quiet, keep it quiet, so that they be able to do what they want to do with no pressure and no strain on them. Uh, San Diego
2: State, one of the few teams that has been able to rebound the ball better than USU. Uh, I think that's got to be a big key, yeah, as definitely. well. Yep. How well they rebound the ball, how much they share the ball, and how much the bench gets involved.
1: Yeah, Eric, predictions for tomorrow night. Let's hear. It. Uh,
2: I told you I like Utah State where they're at right now, but I don't. I just don't see them getting this win. Um, I'd love to be wrong, but I think this is going to be San Diego State winning this one. I'm going to say
1: sixty-two to fifty-seven. Okay. John Russell, who does post-game there for the Utah State Aggies on our sister station on KVNU, says San Diego State by 15. He thinks this one's a runaway. Me? Look, Malachi Flynn and Mitchell are great, but I think this this team has, this Aggies team has a little bit of redemption. They want to reinsert themselves back in our at-large conversation. They want to reinsert themselves as a team that's like, hey, look, we're here to stay. All right? We might, you might have thought we disappeared, but we're coming back. I think this is the game that they can do that. I have the IE 72 winners over San Diego State. It's gonna be a good one. Eight o'clock tomorrow night. Seven o'clock pregame on uh, without Lewis and Jalen Moore. Postgame, John Russell and Alu should be an absolute dandy. Cannot wait to get it on between two of the most elite Yeah, two of the elite teams in the Mountain West Conference. Coming up, it's our Friday five best best Super Bowls that have taken place in our minds. This will not be the same list that we've heard. Talking up on the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan.
0: matter who you root for, the Full Court Press has all the high school sports covered. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 106.9thefan.com.
2: Full court press, Eric Franson, and Ajay Salveson. It's Friday. The Friday, weekend is here, everybody. Friday.
1: Gotta get down. Remember when you Friday. made a mix once
2: of like Friday songs?
1: Oh, yeah, dude. Um, I used to play that when you're not here.
2: Yeah. I'm glad it's when I'm not here. Why? So the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. Oh, by the way, a busy night of high school basketball on tap tonight as well. Really? Yes. Uh,. Who's playing where? That's, Sky, that's, Skyview
1: is hosting Bear River. Skyview and are Uh I believe it's is it Mountain Crest and Logan? Yep. Mountain Crest versus Logan, so Mountain Crest will be
2: home. So no, it's, that's right. It's in Hiram, and then it's Ridgeline at Green Canyon, if I'm not mistaken. Is that yes, right? Yes, it is. Yep. That's a big one. That's a big one. Really, that I agree. I think that's the competitive game of the night to pay attention to. So, we'll have the Bear River game, Skyview Bear River game here on 1069 The Fan. If you want to see who else is playing where and how you can follow along, which radio stations or how to stream live, go to CashValleyDaily.com, click on the menu. There's a little drop down for sports, and where it says local Prep Sports, you'll see the link for the local high school basketball schedule. So, that's what's going on with high school basketball in Region 11 tonight. Uh, Aj Friday, five best. Super Bowl 54 this weekend. Let's start with your number five. Best Super Bowls of all time.
1: Number five is going to be the New England Patriots versus the Carolina Panthers. Mm. See, here's the reason why. Because that first half was a dull, right? No one cared about the first half. Second half, like, there was points going up like crazy in the fourth quarter. He had Jake DeLome rolling to his right, and then uncorking one to Steve Smith. He had Tom Brady to Deion Branch. He had Tom Brady going up for two on the uh, fake snap to... uh, the running back, which got him in for a two-point conversion. Uh, final score, of course, with the help of Adam and Terry, 32-29. That game in the second half was one of the best second halves you might have ever see in a Super Bowl.
2: Uh, I think the second half surges is a theme, maybe a theme, in this, yeah. in, in this top five. Yep. Uh, for me, it, I also have the New England Patriots involved in this one, but it's not that same Super Bowl. This is Super Bowl 51 mm. when the Patriots were down 28-3 against the Falcons. <laughs> And not because I'm a big Patriots lover because you know that I'm not. You love but them. But that was a case of a, a team being down so much and overcoming uh, such a deep hole to come back and win and
1: just watching the Falcons just totally collapse. It was unreal. So that's number five on my mind. That, that's a good one right there. Number four for me, and this is, I mean, for so many reasons, but San Francisco uh, over the Cincinnati Bengals 20-16 to 16. Uh, this was the Joe Montana. Hey, I see John Candy in the corner of the end zone eating popcorn. Down, uh, down a score and needing a touchdown late to win it, 92 yards away from doing so, and he completes the drive with a pass over the middle to John Taylor for a touchdown. Just Joe Cool became one of the greatest ever after that, mm. cemented his status.
2: Good choice. Number four for me was uh, Super Bowl 49, Patriots over the Seahawks. Similar, I think, to what we may see this weekend. Two of the best teams in, in the NFL facing each other for the Super Bowl. It was back and forth and back and forth. Uh, Patriots win that one, though, 28-24. to 24, and uh, it, That was a fun Super Bowl to watch just as a, I didn't care about the outcome. Uh, it was just entertaining to watch.
1: That's a good one. I like that one right there. Uh, the next one for me is, and I can't, I can't read Roman numerals that well, but the next one for me would be uh, Broncos and Redskins because of Doug Williams becoming the first African-American quarterback to be the MVP, mm. and then also that 36-point second quarter that they had where they just routed, I mean, Denver. They put that thing into just a blowout. That was amazing to watch. Uh, that not, was in the uh, the 90s? Yeah. I, well, no, that was, uh, yeah, no. I don't know. Mid-90s. Is that, no, it was like early 90s. Early 90s. Early 90s. But that, uh, but just, I mean, I watching the game on, like, YouTube, that was just amazing to watch, just how <laughs> that game was close, and all of a sudden, 36 points in the second quarter, and that thing was over.
2: That's unreal. Number three for me, the uh, the St. Louis Rams against the Tennessee Titans. Titans were a pretty young team or as far as a, being a new franchise. Uh, the Rams had that really exciting offense, uh, and uh, they had the lead, and the, the, uh, the Titans came back. They had that drive just almost as time expired. Uh, Dyson gets tackled. At the one-yard line. Yeah. Just a crazy, crazy finish. Uh, down to the wire, but the Rams came out on top 23-16. to Kurt Warner was fantastic.
1: Numbers, uh, we at two, right? Number two. Seattle and New England, 28-24 in New England. They were down 14 and came back to win that game. That game was so well played in the second half. It was ridiculous. Both teams were clicking offensively. It just happens to be a defensive interception on the other side to end it. Amazing.
2: Yeah, it was a great. That was a... It was on my top five. Uh, number two for me, Baltimore and the, uh, the Baltimore Ravens versus the San Francisco 49ers. This was Super Bowl 47. Remember, this is one that had the big power outage that yeah. lasted for a long time. Yeah. That was that was the boring part of it. Um, and the first half really wasn't that exciting either. But after the power outage, everything changed. And that's what made it exciting to see if they could pull it off. Baltimore comes out victorious 34 to 31 in that one.
1: My final one is going to be uh, Dallas and Pittsburgh. 35-31, Pittsburgh wins it. It was Jackie Smith in the end zone, wide open, drops a pass, turns the whole entire game around, Pittsburgh scores on the next drive, ends it. For me, my number one, you already mentioned it,
2: it was San Francisco and Cincinnati, 20-16. to Joe Montana finding John Taylor for the game-winning touchdown.
1: Enjoy the Super Bowl, everybody. Go Niners.